0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org.
1: What's up on a Sunday afternoon? I'm Brian Scott Rippey, back in the co-host chair. The band is back together. Colin Rister's back. Uh, Colin uh, was aware as of this recording Colin figured out that I needed someone to record five minutes before so uh, plenty of notice there Borky had the audacity to have a wife and kids and a family and other priorities so you know what a real asshole move there Um, what's up man?
0: I was going to say that does seem like just a asshole move that you know have priorities and stuff and all exactly
1: life. i just have real responsibilities i uh i uh nursed a hangover today after a wedding and have sat on the couch to watch football all day just really <laughs> the nerve of uh someone to choose to be productive and have a that, family in life
0: that's a good weekend to have a wedding though like at least you didn't have to you know dig all into the coach search stuff yesterday you didn't make the rod Barnes reappear
1: so i i did so honestly what happened was uh so I I knew this I had I had to go to this wedding there was really no getting out of it and I kind of worried all week that it um that this was going to break on like beer number 7 at the reception on Saturday night um like I just had I had it mapped out in my mind the whole time that that's what was going to happen here um and so luckily then we got it on Friday um really an hour two of, I guess the hour three of our radio show around four or five on, I can't even remember exactly. Friday feels like a week ago at this point and it kind of got out. So that saved my Saturday for the most part, except for the fact that as I was putting my suit pants on and had about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to get to the chapel, Ole Miss officially put it out there. So that was a real bummer. I thought I was in the clear. I thought they were going to announce it today which really not a big deal, just adding quotes and stuff and putting something like an actual news story out there and it being official. official. So it could have been worse, I guess. I'm just glad the news didn't break at 8 o'clock <laughs> on a Saturday night. Because <laughs> that that's be what bad. I worried, right? Because he, he kicked the shit out of UAB. Like, you know, it comes out the next hour. It basically, if, if what happened to Mike Norvell? I guess Mike Norvell thing kind of leaked out before the game, though, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it was that morning of, yeah. Kiffin was but- the night before.
1: Right, so I, I I dodged a bullet there, uh, enjoyed the wedding, did not enjoy uh, waking up this morning after the wedding. Uh, I had to drive the girlfriend to the Memphis airport um it's It's been a long day, but i I am recovering. um but yeah, what a crazy weekend. So the reason obviously we're here, and Borky will be back. we'll probably record on Tuesday after uh Lane's introduced. I just felt like we needed to get I needed to get something out there today because we were going to record in the morning, but like he's getting introduced like five hours later. After that, so that didn't make sense. So I basically just called, made a call to the bullpen, uh, and so a week after your departure,
0: you're back. How does that feel? It's uh, I was going to make an analogy uh that that probably wouldn't go over well, but yeah, it feels nice uh to 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 be back. At least uh, at least my my voice is somewhat resonating, right? Yeah,
1: and I guess uh, since we're on Skype today, I'm probably not going to put the old intro back, but uh, oh, I guess man. that would be applicable
0: again. Uh,
1: but we're once again the intro podcast.
0: <laughs> I was listening the other day. I was wondering how, uh, how, how the intro was going. I've listened to the, to the two that I, or the three I haven't been on. I was wondering what you were we doing. Actually,
1: we actually have a new one they sent me on Friday that just cut out both of our names. It just says the Rebel Report, but I think we're changing the name. Uh, oh. I think it's going to be Joey Fresh Potter.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that you've got to do something uh, off of that with Blaine with Kiffin coming in.
1: Not to mention, this was just horribly named from the first place. And that's really no fault of anyone except for my lack of creativity and then just going with an easy one. Uh, I imagine, though, podcast names don't really change the viewership. Anyway, none of this shit matters. Lane Kiffin is Ole Miss's head coach. And what a week it was for Ole Miss. Um, This is a – I don't know. Do You you call this a home run hire? I think it fits most of the categories because – just, I don't, again, I try not to gauge a lot of stuff off social media being real life, but like just the excitement and the energy, I guess, around this place is completely different than it was, really, than it's been for the last almost half decade at this point, I guess. I mean, twenty half decade's a little strong. Last three years, at least.
0: Well, I mean, I get what you're saying about social media and not being real life. and go, go look at the, the Spirit and Rebel Grove and, and Twitter and, and go see how many people are saying, man, I wasn't buying tickets in 2020, but now I am, like that stuff is the stuff that matters. Like, like people actually attending football games is what matters. And I think people are more invested, you know, now than they've been since they uh, walked off the field in new Orleans, frankly, because, you know, two weeks later, a bombshell hits the program uh, with Pat Forty's, you know, NCAA investigation story. So uh, yeah, man, look, it, 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 it's funny to me. I've always, you know, thought for the past few years that this fan base is apathetic, and, and you know, it's it's tough to get them back. And I think I figured out this week they weren't really apathetic; they were pissed off. And now that they've, you know, Ole Miss is acting like a big boy in the SEC, it, it kind of seems like the fan base is back.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. But no, I think apathetics, right? I mean, because it, it it was it was mad at certain points, but I think it passed the point of anger. Like people didn't care. Like the, I mean. Like I don't think the stands were empty because people were necessarily angry. It was just a bad product. It was a, it was. I mean, rightly, wrongly, fair, unfair for Matt Luke. It was a coach that really no one actually believed in or ever really fully bought into. So I think apathy is the right word there. But you change apathy with excitement, and that's exactly what this hire is like. So I, I think the switch just flipped. I actually didn't think they could make a hire. Um, I did. Uh, I didn't actually think they would make a hire that would be able to reinvigorate the fan base this quickly, uh, but they did. They managed to. <laughs> and like I, earlier in the week, I didn't really buy into the Kiffin stuff. Obviously, there was a uh, kind of a fundamental change in thinking. What I guess around Wednesday, Tuesday or
0: night. So. Tuesday yeah. night. Yeah,
1: and then they meet with him in Boca on Thursday, and the deal gets done on Friday. This moved quickly, but. I guess to start in a macro picture, this Keith Carter basically changed the way Ole Miss is like Ole Miss has been doing business a certain way for the last 40 years. And it's made them a bottom feeder and kind of a laughing at times. And Keith Carter changed that in a week.
0: Yeah. And I don't know how far you want to get into this. There was uh, there was some pushback on Lane Kiffin from some very influential people. And I'm not going to mention names, but it kind of felt like a changing of the guard from that respect. Whereas, you know. I don't know if this hire happens under Ross Bjork, but with Keith Carter, he smooths, you know, those relationships over, and he's able to get that through, and and he's able to get the football coach that that he believes is going to win football games. And look, you know, there's a lot of talk about Mike Norvell, his his interests or lack thereof in Ole Miss. I don't think that Ole Miss gets this bump from hiring Mike Norvell, um, and that's not to say that Mike Norvell is not a better football coach than Lane Kiffin. Have your opinions on on whichever way you want there. I'm just saying that Lane Tiffin being the head football coach at Ole Miss, makes you more nationally relevant than Mike Norvell. Um, he was and-
1: talking on the college. He was interviewed with while they were announcing yeah. the College Football Playoff committee. Day. Of course, yeah. it does.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. Is is he he's he's a much more national story, and and I think you, your fan buy-in is going to be much much more with with him than it would have been with Norvell. And God forbid had they. And I'm not saying Billy Napier is a bad football coach. But if they don't get Lane Kiffin, I felt sorry for the fact what what Billy Napier was going to experience because this fan base would have just been pissed off. Well, yeah, that's what it turned into.
1: There was such a groundswell of um, there was such a groundswell for Kiffin when like even just the slightest. What's interesting to me is just the even slightest hint that it was possible. Basically, it was just one tiny spark that ignited basically <laughs> like a Shiano-esque like social media firestorm. And like as much as I discount social media and say it's not indicative of real life, that doesn't mean it's not powerful. Like you, you, you saw it with Greg Schiano, uh, Tennessee, in a different way, and you kind of saw it in kind of the inverse way here. It's like they got one whiff of the possibility of hiring Lane Kiffin, and it turned into a groundswell because Thursday at night when they were actually meeting with him in Boca, there was a weird feel. I got I can't tell you how many texts I got that said like, "Think something's happened tonight. Think it's a done deal tonight." Yeah. And- and while, wow, but but it, it, at the same time, I think at that at that point, because I mean, hell, I mean, I'm not the greatest math guy, but judging on some amateur flight tracking stuff, like they, this texting was going on as they were meeting with him. So of course, no one actually knew it was a done deal <laughs> at that point. It's just like social media almost willed it into existence. And my personal take at that point was, hey, even if this does happen, it's probably not happening until Saturday or Sunday. Um, so you know i but then it was almost like social media wanted to happen more and then of course it happens on friday so i I guess it wasn't a done deal then but it certainly uh it certainly felt like a thursday night was a weird feeling
0: yeah i mean jimmy sexton doesn't go to coaches interviews uh, i i don't think i think there was more of an interview on on wednesday and i think on thursday they went down there and negotiated contract terms um because jimmy sexton was down there and like I was saying, I, I think once you get to that point and, and it's out that you're in Boca Raton, I don't think you can come back empty empty-handed, right? Like Arkansas did. So yeah, you're right. Uh, social media, uh, absolutely. And I know for a fact Keith's email was blown up by Ole Miss fans that uh, that wanted Lane Kiffin, and, and he didn't discount that. That's the thing that, uh, you know, maybe in the past, you know, so some of the fans that don't give hundreds of thousands or thousands of dollars to the program did not get listened to. I think over the past week we figured out that, that fans across the board are getting listened to, and and Keith Carter plans to be transparent with them, and good on him for that.
1: Yeah, as it was kind of touched on a second ago, he had to stand up from the sounds of it to some fairly powerful people that were kind of, oh, uh, missing the hire isn't the right word, but going to do things the way they've always been done. Yeah. And he basically just kind of defied all that. And what's interesting to me and something Borkey and I talked about and we talked about um, um, and that we talked about on the radio show, too, was the age divide on this in terms of favorability, <laughs> unfavorability is kind of bizarre. It's almost like the young like message board crowd. Uh, you know, I, I think Neil pointed out yesterday to borrow a, uh, a Pete Boob turn, the cap and T-shirt crowd kind of won.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I but mean, the age they- divide here, I don't understand fully
0: i mean i kind of do but i don't man they've been doing this for for 40 years and 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 they haven't won shit since john vault left like at some point maybe you know do something different and mix it up a little bit and and i think yesterday was i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use the phrase the biggest day in modern football history for Miss, but i think it was really really big from that perspective and what you could stand to lose um because, man, if you screwed this higher up, you were losing the under-40 crowd. You were losing the under-45 crowd. And if you lose those guys, I don't think you can get them back. Well, um, forget football. Forget the
1: football side. It was a significant day because, again, like we, I kind of keep repeating, hammering around, it changed the way Ole Miss is perceived. And they did something that they, they behaved in a way that they haven't behaved in a long time. And the way they would about this coaching circuit was different than they've operated a long time. And so it was a changing of – not changing of the guard – but yesterday just marked – if you just look at the process and how they handled their business, it, it marked a fundamental change in the way they do things, which for, – forget football or anything else for a second. That's probably why it's significant more so than anything
0: else. It's almost like when you hire qualified people to do their jobs and you let them do their jobs, they might do a good job. And I think that's what uh, – I think that's what Keith Carter does for all the teeth gnashing over his hire. And, and look, I'm you not know, discounting it, and I certainly understand it. Um, when you hire people that are qualified to do their job, they can do a good job. And, and Keith, unlike maybe the other two, and Matt Luke, Matt Luke and Glenn Boyce, is qualified to be the athletics director. And he didn't want heck of a job, and, and you've got to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, I mean,
1: it, what's interesting is three weeks ago, you still, I mean, two weeks, I guess about three weeks, you had a faction of people, and I thought most of this was uninformed, but I didn't necessarily blame them for doing this. Mad at Keith Carter getting hired because it was another guy sure. down the hallway. He was kneecapped by past botch searches and the perception of that. And boy, talk about shedding a label or a stereotype quickly. Holy cow. <laughs> he,
0: it took him two weeks. He's the most popular I mean, man on campus besides Lane Kiffin. But he it he was, he's a
1: he's a I don't know if dynamic person. He, he's behave, he's acting like a dynamic personality. I mean, look, nine days ago. Ten, ten, eleven days ago, I guess I'm, I'm getting my math confused here. You thought you were going into Matt Luke of 2020, and now you have Lane Kiffin as your head football coach. In a matter of a week, he fired. Matt, he made a tough decision to fire Matt Luke, and honestly, he made a tough decision to hire Lane Kiffin because there are other the reason Lane Kiffin's still at FAU. Like there, there, there were other places probably a little hesitant to pull the trigger on it. So he's making tough decisions, and it's paying off to his benefit. And now, like. I thought it would take him a while to like shed the label because one, I didn't think he'd be making a coaching football coaching hire, but like I think I remember writing when he got hired that he would he'd be forced to unfairly kind of shed the optics of another national search ending down the hallway, and my man did it in two weeks, and I thought it might take him two years.
0: (laughs) Well, we didn't know that firing Matt Luke was an option when when we when we kind of thought that Um, we you know like everybody else thought it was you know fiscally impossible and. You know, that's another credit to him that he got that done. Uh, he got the money in there to to make a move that, frankly, was needed. Um, and, and and he hires him. I mean, I think he's the best football coach on the market. You can argue Mike Norvell, whatever. Um, I think Lane Kiffin is the best football coach that Ole Miss could have realistically hired this uh, cycle. And, man, just just the wave of emotions for Ole Miss fans from literally a week ago. Because we got to remember, as we were recording a week ago, Matt Luke was not fired. There was some smoke out there. Uh, but you know, it, it, most people didn't know about it, and and a week. Dude, later, this Lane, time of Sunday. This time you, Sunday. It still didn't seem completely realistic. No, it was probably fifty fifty, um, and you know, three hours later, you fire your football coach, and a week later, Lane Kiffin's your football coach. I mean, that, that's the craziest week uh, in Ole Miss football history. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly wild. And just look at—I mean, again, it's hard it's to. Not- it's hard to underestimate just kind of the groundswell, the the groundswell of the excitement. You injected energy, like an a, amount of energy into this fan base that I didn't think was possible in the matter of a day. I mean, look around. I, anyone? I mean, I was at the wedding last night, and of course, I always get cornered with questions from people who wouldn't otherwise talk to me if I didn't like know things. <laughs> and but I mean, you had twenty, twenty-five, thirty people just like, like just yelling "Lane Train" over and over again. That may have had to do what was uh, with what was being served at the bar, but like my god like they, they, i don't know i just i haven't seen this level of excitement really since i mean what i guess the 14 15 days and even that was dampened a little bit by what was going on off
0: the field yeah exactly um because you know there was an ncaa investigation and 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 whatnot did you see uh aj brown just went 91 yards
1: no i am uh i watched the early games because I was originally going to record after the saints game ended but Again, he had some stuff come up because he's an actual responsible human being with a life and a family and a wife that he would like to keep happy. But uh, I, I have not; I don't have a TV in front of me for these late games. But good for AJ. Uh, Titans really need it, and they need the Cardinals to win. But, yeah. um, but sorry, yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it's 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 one of the more important days in Ole Miss football history, and that's what what's interesting to me is like, like I, this is going to be maybe a little bit unpopular opinion, but does it really matter if it even works at this point? No, it's the I'm, idea of it that's more important long-term for the school and the athletic department.
0: No, no, that's, you know, th- this is obviously not what you ask. I think it's going to work, but no, if it doesn't, um, Keith Carter's not going to be fired if Lane Kiffin fails because if Lane Kiffin fouls, fails, man, your whole fan base was asking for it. And whatever, it, it, look, everybody's worried about Lane Kiffin embarrassing Ole Miss. Man, how much more embarrassing does 5-7, and 4-8, and eight, and your coach resigning because he was calling hookers Amid an NCAA investigation, because you had a guy sleep on on, on somebody's couch, like it doesn't get much more embarrassing than in the past four years for Ole Miss football. So what the hell? Like go for it, and if it doesn't work out, nobody's going to hold that over Keith Carter's head.
1: Well, yeah, the 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 mindset you just kind of pointed out, I guess, is kind of the one my uh, my father had, where he was initially, and he's in that over forty, well, I mean, I not to date him, over fifty crowd <laughs> that was really kind of against Kiffin. But then once it actually happened, he was kind of like, oh, well, I mean, whatever, if it works, like, you know, because ultimately anyone who came in here, like the way you're going to actually like build up, you know, fan interest and sell tickets long term is winning football games. So like, it's not like, like Billy Napier could have come in here and had this kind of excitement, you know, a year and a half or two years down the road if he goes eight and four or something. But just the instant, the instant game-changing part of this, and interest part of this, and like relevance part of this that Kiffin injects to you really can't be matched by anyone else. But I say all that to say, like obviously, if he goes three and nine, three and nine, three and nine, and then maybe let's say gets fired with cause for something that happens off the field, that's a pretty dramatic flameout. I would say the odds of that happening are next to none. But like when I say it doesn't matter, it doesn't work. Like don't take me completely literally on that. But you kind of get the point that the idea of this. And kind of what this means in terms of how Ole Miss does business as, as an athletic department is, to me, is more important than whether he goes 10 and, you know, 9 and 3 in his
0: third year or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, and, you know, we talk a lot, and, and, and I'm not going to say all of it's unfair. But I think Lane Kiffin off the field has gotten a pretty unfair rap. Like, I don't think these, this, like, party going, like, I don't think you're going to see him out on the library bashing beers over people's heads and stuff like i think he's gotten a really unfair rap for uh his off the off the field and away from the facility actions yeah i i
1: agree i mean the i mean he's in terms of topping that he's got some huge shoes to fill uh thanks to uh, <laughs> reverend hugh but I, I do agree but the way honestly i i one of the things i mentioned last week uh was last week on Wednesday afternoon, I was getting some stuff done and had about an hour break where I didn't have anything to do. And I went back and watched on YouTube the 2008 Al Davis press conference for when Lane Kiffin was fired from the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, where he called him a liar. Yeah, but I mean, if this were in the day, if that had happened in the day and age of Twitter, it would still be talked about almost daily or weekly. I mean, you talk about just a weird, bizarre press conference where a billionaire owner is firing his head thirty-one year old head coach four games into his second season with cause and making it a point to the media to just make sure he knows this guy is a pathological liar who he cannot stand and fired him with cause.
0: I was always Kiff, I tried Kiffin to, didn't
1: get paid. Yeah,
0: well, I I think actually I was reading on this. I think the NFLPA or whatever defends Kiffin like they didn't let it go through with cause. Like they 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 told Davis that that was bullshit. Um
1: but you talk about having a way to make people angry. I know Al Davis isn't the best example because, you know, RIP, but wasn't always the easiest to get along with yeah. in terms. But, man, you talk about just being vehemently – it's not even polarizing. Like he had a way of, of, of really getting under people's skin when he was younger. I don't, I don't think Lane Kiffin is the same person he was in no, 2008,
0: no. though. No, he's not. I just wondered what the, uh, what the cause was that my man was trying to fire him for. I could never find that. Lying. Lying.
1: Okay. No, basically, honestly, what, what if you go back and watch it, Al Davis was accusing Kiffin of bombing the season on purpose, cr- using the media to orchestrate just basically a coup so he could get fired and still get paid. Apparently, he, Al Davis said during the press conference that someone tipped off Kiffin at training camp that if he got fired, he could still get paid. How the hell he didn't know that uh, is maybe a little concerning, but um, <laughs> that, that was what Al Davis was accusing him of, of, of lying on purpose – and doing is everything he can to harm the organization uh, in order to get fired and still be able to cash a paycheck because he didn't want to be there anymore. That's what he was accusing him of. I'm not saying that's a – obviously, this is not a ringing endorsement of Kiffin. And again, I'm not holding any of this against him. I just found that wild. I kind of
0: find it smart. I mean, (laughs) mean, I'm just being real. Yeah. I I get fired and get $4 million and don't have to work with this crazy owner, sure. Uh, But no, like that's that's a great point. I don't think Lane Kiffin, that left Tennessee in the middle of the night and held a you know kangaroo court press conference, is is the same dude that's going to roll into Ole Miss tomorrow at his introductory press conference. I think, man, I'm not the same dude I was 10 years ago. Like people grow up and change, and I think that's okay. And I think Lane Kiffin is 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 a perfect example of that. I don't think you're going to find him out on the square on Thursday nights before football games. I think you're going to I think you're going to get a football coach because I mean, here's real. This dude, this is it for him. If this doesn't go well at Ole Miss, he's never getting back. Like, you can't go. Frankly, I don't think he can lose at Ole Miss and get back. But if something off the field happens, he's done. And, and he knows that. He's an adult. I think he's going to, act, you know, handle himself properly. I think, like I said, a lot of that stuff's unfair. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get I – mean, but there is – some of it was definitely warranted because, I mean, sure. if you get fired and left basically on the tarmac at LAX at USC and, you know, you have people burning things in the street after leaving in the middle of the night at Tennessee, like you probably didn't always handle your business the right way. But, again, that's kind of part of Kiffin's story and pretty much just every human story that people seem to gravitate to is learning from your mistakes and kind of evolving as a human being um, – And as a professional, I guess, and I'm not trying to play the morally Superior card or, like, vouch for Lady Kiffin Morals. I don't really care. Like, that's not really my place. I'm just saying, like, it's the classic, like, tragic story that people are always, uh, I guess, like, gravitated to of someone who kind of fails badly publicly, hits rock bottom and kind of climbs his way back up. Because if you talk about anyone in Boca Raton or or, or any of his players or anything, I mean, you see a guy that they would pretty much just go die for. Um, Yeah. So, I mean... Whether he's changed or not, I I don't know. It seems like he seems certainly there's evidence that he has, uh, at least to some degree. But, like, he's definitely different. I mean, players seem to love playing for that guy. Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Um, So, and and they did at Alabama, too, from everything that I've seen and heard. So, yeah, I mean, I think think he's a better version of himself 10 years later than he was 10 years ago. And he he said as much, if you listen to it, Uh, I I can't remember if he said it in his press conference after the game or on ESPN today. I mean, he basically said, you know, when I was coaching at USC in Alabama, my thought process was, you know, I want to get kids to the league. That's all that matters. That's what they come here for to get, you know, to get to the league. And he said, you know, I went to FAU and I realized that, you know, my job as a coach is about developing kids and young men and and players more than just on the football field. Um, That that doesn't sound like the 34-year-old that left in the middle of the night from Tennessee to go to USC. So. Yeah, I think I think it's two completely different people.
1: Well, yeah, and there's certainly a part of it, it. It he didn't have an uh, honestly. It, you know, Ole Miss's last two coaches at this point, their current one and their last one, have had just utterly bizarre career trajectories. I mean, yeah. Lane's Kiffin's first head coaching job was being the head coach of the Oakland Raiders at age thirty-one. That's not exactly working your way up the ladder. Um, and so I, I do, I just do wonder if there's something. Uh, rewarding or something um maybe i don't even know what i'm trying to say here is there something rewarding or is there something like is there value in kind of paying your dues and kind of going a more traditional route because i mean you have all that kind of pressure on you and that kind of job at age 31 particularly if you don't handle it well it just seems like maybe that caused to. um I don't know. Maybe that fed into some of his struggles elsewhere. I don't even necessarily know what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying he didn't take a normal career path,
0: and I wonder how much that affected him at a young age. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you kind of, people made the joke when he went to FAU that his, that his career went backwards because he went from, you know, the Alabama offense coordinator to the FAU coach, but he'd already been the Raiders coach in the Tennessee and the USC coach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, the, the fact that, look, I've never seen an offensive coordinator in college get hired to be an uh, be an NFL head coach. That's that's kind of wild to me, and I don't think it would ever happen again. So, uh, you know, I I think that certainly plays into it for sure. Yeah. So I guess uh, we kind of
1: we've kind of gone all over the place with this. As is, uh, I mean, I guess that's kind of the case when this makes this out of the box hire, but. I guess what are three things Kiffin needs to do now? Like, I was trying to come up with three things. I know I'm putting you on the spot here because I didn't didn't text you this beforehand or anything. But, like, what are – in your mind, if you can think of three things or what he needs to do. Because I think, one, I think he would be smart to retain – Siski and that whole recruiting up and maybe trying to kind of keep as much of this class together. You're going to have attrition. When you change head coaches, kids are going to decommit. Kids are going to go places because, you know, as many times as coaches or whoever tells these kids to commit to a school, not a coach, they don't really do that. I mean, it's the relationships that tend to get them there more so than anything. So I think that would be smart. I think taking a long, hard look at retaining Mike McIntyre. And I know uh, our dear friend Scoops uh, Gabler at the, uh, at the, uh, Oxford Eagle reported that that was going to happen. I personally have not heard that, but I guess I'm not necessarily disputing it. But I think taking a long look at retaining McIntyre might be smart. And then I think my third thing is I don't know. It seems like he's going to have all three quarterbacks. Like, do you have to make a choice immediately, or you kind of see how this plays out? That's the that's the fascinating part about this to me. He inherits an interesting roster, but yeah, you got
0: three. I can I, I try to. Um, My know, third one was pretty bad. I just kind of bucked. <laughs> well, I'm with you in, in the recruiting staff. I think you know. Look, did the previous staff do a great job from a win loss perspective? No. I think Matt Luke did do a good job in a lot of things that don't go that, that go unnoticed. I think Brennan Chapman and Tyler Siski were doing a great job, and I think both of them should keep their jobs. Frankly, I think it would, I think it would behoove Lane Kiffin to keep both of those guys in place if they want to stay. And from everything I hear and see, they do. Um, the first thing I do if, if I'm like Kiffin is man I go hit this recruiting trail like like I go out I, I'm seen everywhere I go recruit nationally um, because man look he's got a lot of name cachet, and and look does he have the, the relationships with 2020 recruits that you know a lot of coaches do no probably not but I think he could get in the ballpark for some guys and look, I go, I I, I try to get JJ Pegues to to delay until February. I think, you know, I make him a focal point of this class, the Oxford kid, you know, I think that would go a long ways in in helping lane out. And, um, you know, the quarterback thing that was actually when you, when you said that that was going to be my first one, you know, and and I have a weird opinion about this. A lot of people aren't going to agree. Um, I go in and I tell Matt Corral, he's my starting quarterback and, and, and I make sure that he doesn't leave. Um, Look, they, they, they built this kid up all off-season to be your quarterback, and then just gave up on him for really. I don't think it was actual performance-based. Like they just got enamored with how John Rice Plumlee could run the football. I think for, I think, think Luke so.
1: felt it was his best chance to win games in the short term, and he needed to win games and wanted to win five six games to not get fired, it, which it, didn't seem right at the time. But I, I guess in some ways that was
0: uh that was well, kind of actually what the case ended well, up being. But again, mean, wasn't smart. My not mean it was been, smart. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My argument would be you're, that's incorrect. Your best path to win football games is Matt Corral, but whatever. Um, I would tell Matt Corral. Okay, so I'm not right. disagreeing, but what's the uh, what's the
1: advantage of 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 naming Corral the guy now?
0: Just asking. Uh, well, so that he doesn't go to Oregon. <laughs>
1: that would be my to keep him. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if he goes out and he stinks, then okay. Um, but you know, look, Grant Tisdale's supposedly coming back. I mean. I just And look, you can open up quarterback competition, whatever, but I do whatever I can to keep Matt Corral here because I don't think that I would have enough trust in any of the other quarterbacks at this point to win football games next year. Um, the third thing I do is I get out and, like I mentioned this with recruiting, man, I think you kind of keep building momentum with this fan base. Get out in front of people. And, and I, I go on every podcast, every radio show I can, um, I'm sure Lane Kiffin has an open invite to your podcast whenever, but I, I get in front of people and, and make sure that I understand that you know I, I, that I would you know I appreciate the the support that this fan base has, and I, I just I think there's something to be said about you know everybody buying in, and I think everybody's at that point. And if I'm Kiffin, I kind of play off of that.
1: Yeah, I have some thoughts on that, but first we got to take a break. But uh, to remind you, the podcast brought to you by LB's uh, LB's. Greg the meat sharp is back at it. I I forgot to get Greg's picks this week, so he'll be back at it next week. Last week, if you'll remember, he went, he went Steelers over the uh, Browns and Bengals money line to win their first game, and he hit them both. <laughs> he was all fired up about that. So I hit him with a shout out on Monday show. But uh, best place in Oxford to get meat, Greg said they have a sale going on. Or it was he called it the uh, he called it the Kiffin sale to where it was ten dollar. It looked like bacon wrapped fillet. Um, yeah, until uh, 10 bucks, until Lane Kiffin was hired and he sold 128 in 12 hours. He told me, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Greg is actually a liar because apparently that sale is still happening, even though Lane Kiffin's hired. So well, you can he, either thank him a, or call you a liar. He's uh, not official till tomorrow though, right? That's a they good point. I, but I think great, great uh, sources are telling me that that sale is going to continue, uh, on past just tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so go, go see Greg. University Avenue across from Kroger he's got all kinds of sales custom cuts whatever you want you can go in and get a plate lunch and then decide what you want for dinner um but best place in Oxford to get meat best place in Mississippi to get meat Greg uh, Greg the meat sharp is back and if he's uh, if you're nice to him he'll probably give you a couple gambling locks because he's been kicking <laughs> our ass at it um so anyway go see Greg University Avenue across from Kroger um back to the quarterback thing for a second I don't necessarily disagree but it is interesting. I just think with the way Lane Kiffin runs offense, there's little to no chance that John Rice Plumley is the every-down quarterback in what Lane Kiffin wants to do. Correct? I mean, that, I I just don't see that.
0: Fascinated um, with what happens with Plumley and this baseball thing because this ain't Matt Luke.
1: Yes, I I, I do. Uh, I I that that will be interesting to follow in the next few weeks. Also, I I backed off the uh a little bit. Backed off the uh, the idea that he can't throw because what was in- interesting was. <laughs> Maybe just an indictment on uh, on kind of the decision-making of the previous staff as a all started with Matt Luke. What was ironic, as we talked about on your last show after the Egg Bowl, was the ironic thing about him getting benched was that it was one of his better games throwing the ball. And you saw for the first time really all season um, him pushing the ball down the field and making sophisticated throws uh, over the middle of the field and down the field. So while I say I just don't see it as him being the every-down guy, guy in Kiffin's system um, – I do think he should be given maybe a little bit more time to prove that he can or cannot throw, because to me, the egg with the Egg went pointed out, that his struggles throwing the ball seem to be more
0: scheme than talent. Not to say he's as good a passer as Corral. Uh, no, that's certainly fair. I mean, you, you look at Lane Kiffin, he made Blake Sims, who was backup running back, a pretty good quarterback in 2014, and I think Plumlee's more talented of a thrower than Blake Sims is. Uh, no, there's a lot more than goes into it than simply throwing the football. Uh, so, no, I, I'm not – What I said, you know, I make Matt Corral the starter, that's not, you know, me saying, hey, move John Rice Plumlee to the slot. I've never said that I think John Rice Plumlee should go play the slot. I just said that I think Matt Corral's a better quarterback. Um, I think you're right. I think I think if I'm Lane Kiffin, I keep him there and, and let him play quarterback and develop, I just don't think that he would be more advanced than Matt Corral when the season starts either.
1: Uh, Nate Gabler reported last night that uh, – and I think Ben had mentioned the possibility of this – that uh, Grant Tisdale will not transfer and he will compete for the starting job in the spring, which leads me to think that he's talked to Kiffin at some point or someone around there, and it, it seems like this might be actually an open competition if you need evidence that that might be the case. seems like that's a pretty good indication. Um, I again, think- are there They're going to be three quarterbacks on the roster in October of next year, these same three? No. I mean, I just don't see that as being realistic, but it, who would have guessed you might have all three
0: in spring? Well, uh, you know, and I keep talking to people that that swear on this, and you may disagree. They keep telling me that Kincaid Dent is not a terrible quarterback that that he can play football and is not going to be a Rod Buchanan situation. That if well, it's where he went to high school is why. <laughs> <laughs> they develop him down there. They do. It's a quarterback factory. <laughs> I keep hearing that he he's actually a decent throw of the football, and and we'll get a look. Um, uh, you know, no matter what, and and we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I think Tisdale is back. I think frankly, um, and this isn't as well sourced as it probably needs to be. I think Tisdale was back as long as Rich Rodriguez wasn't frankly, um, there was some, there was some issues there. So, yeah, I think all four are there, and I think all four compete for the job this spring. And I think, the, I think you know, the storyline early in the spring is what John Rice Plumley is going to do because the plan was for Plumley to go play baseball and and just forget spring practice. And I don't think that's going to be possible at this point in time. With with you know, first of all, Lane Kiffin didn't make that deal, and secondly, this is a brand new offense.
1: I've been skeptical of this the entire time that this would last, as you know. Um... And he may still try, but I, I still don't think it lasts. And I think at this point, I mean, look, I, I I guess what I'm saying is, if he actually does go through with the baseball thing, I think that greatly diminishes his chances of being the starting quarterback at Ole Miss next year, almost to the point of it being nearly impossible. Fair. Let me,
0: let me ask this: What does Jerry on Ely do? Hmm. Is there a difference? And I am not. It's fine. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think Ely's talented enough that he could get away with it. Like, I'm not saying Pumlee's not talented, but Ely's your five-star running back that had a hell of a freshman year. Like, if he's – if Kiffin's not going to come in and say, hey, pal, like, either quit baseball or you're done because, you know, they they need Jerry Neely more than they need John Rice Pumlee because of what's behind Ely versus what's behind Pumlee.
0: Yeah, and I don't think playing, you know, running back. It, it, I don't think there's a, that big of an adjustment period than playing running back. No, of course
1: form. not. Your yeah. quarterback and, and running back, you're talking about in terms of learning a new offense is an entirely different world, and in terms of the amount of time to learn the scheme, absolutely. That it's it's apples to oranges in that yeah. sense.
0: That's what I'm saying. So I, I'm curious how people will handle this if John Rice Plumley is, you know, going through full football practice, and Jerrod Ely is, you know, maybe going over there twice a week.
1: I just. If you're going to be a starting quarterback in the SEC, I know people have done it before, but particularly if you're competing for a job and learning a new offense now, I just don't see how you can play baseball and do that. I don't see it at all. And well, I don't know what Plumley is as a baseball player anyway, but I know he came to college because he won. He, there was two reasons he came here. Is one, he wanted to play both, and one, he wanted to play quarterback. But I, I still just think a choice is coming, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and and maybe there's a situation where you can do both. I've seen Ole Miss, um, you know, practice, you know, early in the morning before for spring practice. Is it a situation where he can do spring practice in the morning and baseball at night? I will say this: if there's any type of kid that can do that, it's John Rice Plumley. Um, so we'll see. It, it'll be interesting. I think that's one of the man just from a football perspective going forward. It's one of the more interesting storylines. Uh, with the qualifier
1: that Matt Corral stays, who takes the first snap in Houston next year?
0: Matt Corral. And I feel real good about that one. Hmm.
1: I think I agree.
0: Yeah, I just, yeah. If he stays, now, is there a world where he leaves? I still, I have not, I don't think there's 100% certainty that he's back. I think it's around 80, 85, whereas I think it was around five a week ago. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, I would have said zero. I don't like putting zero on <laughs>
1: anything, but I would have said zero. Yeah. I mean, I guess, obviously, he it, it, he's played this smartly in terms of waiting to see who the head coach was to make a decision, and obviously there will be conversations that I assume, to some degree, may have already happened uh, between he and Kiffin and Vice, you know, and kind of feeling this thing out among whoever the new coach was, but uh, if that does end up being the case, man, you talk about a tough start to a college career where he could have done a number of different things, but you know, kind of stuck through all of it. Because yep. to be honest, fair, or unfair. Last year, he got screwed
0: by the coaching staff.
1: Oh, but just call it what it is.
0: He got a raw deal, man. But uh, and, but let's put ourselves in Matt Corral's shoes for for uh, for you know just a second. Uh, if you're Matt Corral, say, hey, I'm going to transfer. Okay, bud, I I get that. You're going to sit out a year. Why not? If you're Matt Corral, just stay at Ole Miss for your graduate. And That's the plug- other option
1: to this. That's We talked about this last Right, You're exactly right. There's two sides of this. Because yeah. you, you do the grad transfer route, you have two years of eligibility left, and you're eligible immediately. It's wanting to get, I guess, inundated at wherever your next school is, learn the playbook, kind of be more familiarized. That way, when you are eligible nothing's new, versus kind of sticking it out and maybe being able to play a year here. That's what he's
0: balancing, is it not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to sit out a year – Where you could be at least playing, Um, and if you don't like Lane Kiffin's system, you'll be. You can go somewhere else and and play. uh, You know immediately. So, I think there's a really, really good uh, chance that Matt Corral is the starting quarterback when Ole Miss opens up in Houston in a year.
1: You mentioned Kiffin's uh, kind of uh, history of developing quarterbacks a second ago. He starts in terms of traditional passing quarterbacks. Isn't this a gigantic win for Matt Corral in terms of your traditional passing quarterback? being developed by Lane Kiffin as opposed to Rich Rodriguez. It's a gigantic <laughs> upgrade, is it not?
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and you kind of feel for Matt Corral, three offensive coordinators in three years, that's not easy. Uh, but, you know, I think you've got the uh, – because Lane Kiffin's going to call football place. Uh, that's, that's how that works. You know, everybody's talking about their, the offensive coordinator, and I get it. I'm like, the offensive coordinator is Lane Kiffin. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really matter. The defensive coordinator is actually more interesting yeah. and more consequential. Yes. Lane Kiffin is going to call plays and he's going to be the quarterback's coach. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're Matt Corral, I man, you had to be thrilled with that hire. You, you know, I'm sure there were some hires that Matt Corral still goes to Oregon or Washington or wherever over. I don't think this is one. I think this is the one that uh, gets him back in the boat immediately.
1: Yeah, no, I I a hundred percent agree. And man, just who would have thought a, a month ago that Matt Corral would still be at Ole Miss. What's interesting is, what, you know? What kind of got spoiled and lost in uh in the whole Elijah Moore egg ball stuff? That uh, oh, by the way, does Elijah Moore deserve some credit for this?
0: It is absolutely insane, Elijah Moore. Let's list the things that he did. He got a Matt Luke fired, b Lane Kiffin hired, c Joe Moore had an extension or a, another year at Mississippi State, d Arkansas to hire Georgia's offensive line coach. <laughs> Like, what a world. Okay, so it begs the question. If he
1: knows all of that before that play happens, does he hike it? If he could do it
0: over again. <laughs> if, if, if Elijah Moore was a fortune teller?
1: Yes. It, no, no. If, 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 you, if you froze him in a time machine or whatever, because, again, there are no rules on this show. You can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> um, uh, do, do you tell him everything that has happened in the two weeks that transpired. Does he hike that bastard again?
0: no no he doesn't because and, and you know i mean being serious for a second no I, of course I, he doesn't I, yeah i mean from an old miss fan perspective everybody's praising elijah Moore. there were a lot of kids on that team that loved matt luke and milage is probably getting viewed as you cost you know our coach the job the guy that you know we love and look they're 21 year old kids they'll move on they're emotional Um, uh, but you know I'm, I'm sure this has not been easy for for elijah Moore in any sense of the word yeah
1: absolutely i i agree it was mostly uh Mostly tongue in cheek there, but yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I certainly agree. But man, what a wild, wild couple uh, week and a half! Really, just kind of whole thing orchestrated by Keith Carter. I, I don't think you can give him enough credit on this. And uh, you know, I know there's an older, fort- faction of this that probably feels spurned and probably uh, a little bit angry that uh, this is this went the way it was. But at the end of the day, as an institution, the way they had been doing things didn't work. So what in the world do you have to lose by trying something different? The way they, the way things have always been done, and the good old boy, and all that—you know—the uh, the the faction of the fan base that, quite frankly, not to be stereotypical, the current space at which we're operating, discussing in—they probably don't even know exists. Podcast, <laughs> like it—it it, it wasn't working. And so, what did they? What did they have to lose as a school by trying something different? Even if it sucks. if, if, if this turns out to be a flame out and Kiffin, Kiffin's this. What does it matter? Like, does it, yes, it matters, but your worst case scenario, you're exactly back where you were a week ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, you, you, you go four and eight, five and seven, and you fire, fire Kiffin and get a new coach. That's how this works. I mean, they're
1: a national story today. They're going to be nationally interesting. People that, that have no connection, don't care about Ole Miss either way, are excited that Lane Kiffin is back in the SEC. They're going to be nationally relevant from day one. And as I mentioned last week with Kiffin, there's a legitimacy, legitimacy factor to this to where if he starts recruiting and landing Hugh yes. Freeze-type classes, they're, now they're, don't get me wrong, there were two million reasons why Hugh Freeze, uh, people wanted to see Hugh Freeze go down and he drew the eye of people. And uh, I would say 98% of them had little to do with the fact that he wore an old Miss visor. But there <laughs> is a legitimate... 100%. Yeah, I, well, I, I, there is a legitimacy factor here to where if Lane Kiffin starts having this success, um, and not that, I don't know how much value to actually place in this if you're old Miss, but if he starts to start having success, he does start signing these kids, there's not going to be eyebrows raised. As opposed to if Eli Drinkwitz had come in here or Billy Napier had come in here and started doing that, there might have been a little bit. Not that it ends up really mattering,
0: right? Unless the yeah. actual uh, wolf comes knocking. Yeah, but you, you say it might not matter, but, you know, and, and look, there were reasons that, um, you know, Hugh Freeze got brought down. I will say this. Um, I, I think you're completely right. I do think that matters, though. I, I think it's a different tone, because
1: I just don't know it, how much. I, I don't know how much value to place in
0: that. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's certainly tough to gauge, but I do think there's a legitimate tone from, you know, the, the national media hacks that, that go after Ole Miss that you know, say, oh, they're cheating. I mean, you saw it from Pat Forty when it's Lane Kiffin signing these five stars instead of Hugh Freeze, um, and I, I think Lane's smart enough to, you know, not, you know, tweet at the NCAA and and quote Exodus to NCAA investigators if they do show up. Um, so yeah, I, I think it does matter. No, we are right. How much do we gauge and you know quantify that? I don't know, but I, I think it's certainly important. Yeah, no, I I couldn't uh, I
1: couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's. It's a historic day, even like like because you don't even know the results yet. But yesterday felt historic and felt like a changing in direction of how Ole Miss as a football program and really as an athletic department as a whole kind of does its business. As I keep repeating,
0: yeah, and and that's what you know. I, we debated this. I'm in a big Ole Miss group. Me with like twenty eight people. It's crazy, but we were debating this. It's one of the biggest days in Ole Miss football history, just from the faction of or, or the from the realm of. You, you, the the young guys won, and and there were a lot of people that after the boys hire, after the Keith Carter hire, that were ready to throw it in, man. What you stood to lose in this, if you screwed this up and, you know, it got out that some prominent boosters blocked a hire that the majority of the younger people wanted, what you stood to lose from that was going to be massive. And and credit to Keith Carter, man. He, he, he didn't blink. He hired his football coach, and we'll see if it works. It might not. I think it's going to work. But uh, big, big credit to him. He he has done so much to help himself over the, these two weeks. I think, man, nobody's going to want to keep run Keith Carter out of here for at least five years, which is a lot when you're talking about a- athletic directors.
1: Yeah, no, I certainly agree in the in that sense. But like it's 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 historic for Ole Miss in terms of uh kind of internally who got stood up and like you said, kind of who what because this this it's not beef, but this kind of uh, tug of war amongst the factions of fan bases seems to me, to me it seemed as is, is it it had been brewing for a long time and there was kind of a struggle there for a long time and who would have thought that Lane Kiffin was the man that awarded the victory to the younger crowd?
0: <laughs> and God, if he wins. Like, like, I mean, just think about this for a second. If he beats Baylor to open the season, and I'm not predicting that, there's going to be 68,000 people at that Southeastern Missouri game, and that's going to be double what they had at any game this year. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly – but that was the reason for the whole, fire, the whole
1: changing in the first place. It really wasn't a results thing as much as it was a, an apathy thing. Like, Keith Carter, in terms of his mind, whenever he's – I know it's not as simple as this, but when he was making the decision to fire Matt Luke, I think the empty bleachers and, and season ticket numbers weighed more heavily on his mind than the fact that they actually went 4-8 and eight in 2019 in a vacuum.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, the the record is what it is, but when you sit down and look at it and you're like, you know, we, we are going to lose a substantial amount of money that you are no longer going to lose, as long as you can physically pay the buyout on that loop, then, I, you know, there wasn't much of a decision. We said on Friday, uh, after the egg bowl, that if the money were there, uh, this would not be a decision. And the money was there, and and Keith Carter acted on it. And and I will say this: when the money was pledged to get the do- get the buyout done, uh, it was made with the belief that Ole Miss was going to go hire a football coach that was going to win football games, and that was going to be the number one, uh, you know, requirement that whoever they were going to hire was going to be a, a great head coach. They weren't going to do the good old boy crap that they had done. Uh, for the past 10 years and credit to keith carter man he got that done
1: yeah because there's more there's more reward than risk in this right because you could have hired someone else that could have come in and won football games and that was really all in the end that ultimately matters in terms of like long-term uh i guess financial stability in terms of people buying being interested in your program success all that stuff but really all you are gambling is that the sh- you're gambling with the short-term versus the long-term because you knew making this hire, it was meant go- it immediately going to be a short-term hit. You won the short-term no matter what. And now you can have it kind of both ways. If he wins and win the long-term, where Whereas, is this? You hire someone, particularly with the way things got later in the week. If you had ended up with someone other than Lane Kiffin, you lost the battle in the short-term, but you would have had to wait a long while to actually see the results of it. Now you can kind of had both. And even if the long-term success doesn't come, you're back right back where you started. So, I hear, I see all the time. It's people say risk, like people have said risk reward, and I was guilty of it at the beginning of the week talking about Kiffen. I, I mean, there's certainly risk, but I, I just don't. The risk seems so much less valuable than the actual reward does in the long and short term. Brian,
0: the, the I mean, just to put this in perspective, the uh, entrance to the airport is backed up of people waiting to see Lane Kiffen.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I'm debating on going over there. I was going to go by hurt. there.
0: He's going to yeah, be there at five thirty.
1: Yeah, I, I, I is it worth it? Should I go over there? I, I was going to go interview well, some people for a story, but I well, just Here's the
0: problem. Is it a zoo?
1: Yeah, it looks like a zoo. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I think it. I'm going to go by there. I'm currently in gym shorts and Crocs, but I think I might do it. Wait, you actually own Crocs? Yeah, no, I got 3 pairs. I'm a huge Crocs guy. <laughs> um What? Did I mean, it's it's, it's it's like did sex you, on the feet. It feels incredible.
0: Did you wear those like high school?
1: Uh, no, not too high school, but like these. Are, ever since college started, I've been lounging around them. I even got insulated Crocs that have, have like the uh, the fur in them, keep your feet warm in the winter. I've got three pairs.
0: You know, house shoes are
1: comfortable too. Yeah, well, Crocs are awesome because they got holes in them too, and they're rubber. Um, I actually had to. I wore them for a couple of years when I worked at Nukes because they're technically slip resistant because they're made out of rubber. Anyway, this has uh, been the Crocs endorsement. That maybe I could get them to sponsor the show. That's I don't a know. Good idea. Um. But I don't know. That's fifty minutes of solid Lane Kiffin talk. Anything else happen interesting this weekend? Uh, I was out uh, of it. pocket. Didn't watch much football. Seemed like they got
0: the playoff correctly. Yeah, they got the playoff correctly. Rod Barnes got thrown out on Rod Barnes today.
1: He seems like a good dude. I enjoyed listening to him talk after the game about kind of uh, that play. And he, you know, he said, I, "I love this place. I wish that hadn't happened." I uh, I wasn't actually paying attention because I was writing some football stuff when the actual thing happened, but it seemed like he was complete and total crap. It seemed like he got fell victim to an incredibly sensitive whistle.
0: Yeah, he did. Um, and Rod was kind of right. It was a horrible call and uh, he got upset and the guy teched him and then he teched him again. Uh, I don't know. It was, it brought back some memories watching Rod Barnes, team though. Cause Rod had some squads back in the uh, early two thousands and it kind of fell off. Obviously he'd still be here, but yeah, just that, that was a cool Cool deal to, to him, see him come back and and to be him to be you know somewhat you know proud of the what Ole Miss has done as far as moving forward in men's basketball.
1: Yeah, he was talking about uh, how he rode by the tad pad and was thinking long nights of uh you know long practice nights with no heat and then hoping it didn't rain. So <laughs> he like everyone else had fond memories of the tad pad. Um, but yeah, they played okay. They played better offensively, which I think is a good sign. The bench is a problem. They stunk defensively. Particularly on the bench. They got to figure that out going forward, but they're at least making Shot, Shuler and Tyree look better. Uh, but obviously, yesterday was about Lane Kiffen. Um, you know, Georgia didn't, I mean, LSU thumped Georgia. I didn't watch much of that game, but how in the world did that happen?
0: I don't know. I didn't watch the fourth quarter. I didn't watch much of the third quarter. That was a mauling, and I don't really think anything's going to change because uh, they play Oklahoma in the same stadium here in about four weeks, and I think we're going to get another game that looks exactly like that.
1: Yeah, I don't think Oklahoma's near as good as LSU, and I think LSU's more
0: inclined to stopping Jalen Hurts in
1: Oklahoma than vice versa. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, little, interesting, little surprised, uh, interesting uh, stuff.
0: A little surprise, Clemson's a favorite against Ohio State. I did not see that one coming. Uh, Clemson's a favorite? Really? Yeah, Clemson's minus two. I did not see that. That's going to be a fantastic
1: game. In my opinion, those are the two best teams. Because I think oh, yeah. LSU has the weakest defense of the four. Like to me, that's your national title game. I'm not saying uh, I don't give LSU or Oklahoma a shot, but those that game's going to be fantastic.
0: Wow. See, I think LSU's the best team. Um, just I just think I, that
1: defense is weak. I think Ohio State's the best team I've seen, and Clemson's a close second with LSU. I'd put Ohio I, State, the LSU two a, Clemson two b, or vice versa.
0: No, no, that's certainly fair. I mean, I I, I can't really argue. Uh, you know, I just kind of think LSU's. Uh, there there there's certainly an argument for Ohio State. Fun fact, though, uh, the national championship is in New Orleans, so I'm sure that'll go smoothly. Uh
1: yeah, good lord, <laughs> but good for Ed, man. They're thirteen and zero, and I, I wouldn't have. A, I, I was a little more bullish on Ed um, than some people were when he got hired, but I, I, I certainly am
0: not taking credit for this. I, I could not have seen this happening. No, no. I mean, Ed's done a phenomenal job, and and you know, a lot of people were wrong, and and you know, that's a you know, we were talking earlier about Lane Kiffin growing up kind of look down there in baton rouge and and that's exactly what's happened so people do change and uh ed orgeron's you know uh, the epitome of that
1: if you got any more lane kiffin takes in the chamber i think i've uh shot all my bullets
0: <laughs> you need to get to the airport man
1: yeah i think i'm gonna at least try to go by there if it's a zoo i'm just gonna turn around and go to my house but i think it'd be interesting to talk to some fans if i do do that there will be a story at supertalk.fm sometime um so you know i uh what an interesting weekend, and, you know, I, not that this matters at all, and I hate doing the self-important media shit, but this is really, like, this is going to be much more exciting to cover. I started <laughs> covering football in 2016. Like, this is going to be more exciting than anything I've ever experienced, and people are going to actually care, and I'm going to feel like when I'm writing that practice report on a Tuesday that there's a reason for it in terms of uh, – people actually reading it and being interested. So I'm pumped up about this to some <laughs> degree. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to cover it yeah. as a relevant program.
0: You don't, you don't get to talk to the coordinators, though, so, or, or assistant coaches. He is the I, – I, I learned that the other day. Savin School of uh, – Media, yeah. Yeah. He's but, the only one that talks. Yeah,
1: but I think we'll be able to get around that. Not get around <laughs> it, but like I think we'll be able to cover the team
0: okay despite sure, it. Sure, sure. Yeah, what do they actually provide, you know, the coordinators? Rich Rodriguez didn't give you anything. Uh, dude, I appreciate you jumping back on last second. Again, Borky
1: will be back on Tuesday. I was giving him a hard time at the beginning. He just had some, uh, he and his wife had anniversary. If they're listening to this happy anniversary, uh, but, uh, appreciate you, uh, coming out of the bullpen and, uh, executing three, uh, th- three, outs and getting us through the ending. But, uh, we're probably going to record again on Tuesday after Lane Kiffin is greeted as head coach. That makes a little more sense than Wednesday. I think, um, we'll get into all that get into the LBs, pick them a little bit, and I'll have Greg back on next week. We we'll One more time, go to University LBs, excuse me, I can't talk today, University Avenue, across from Kroger, best place in Oxford to get meat. Steaks, custom cuts, he's got whatever you want. Go see Greg, he's the best. Uh, but appreciate it, dude. Thank you. Absolutely. For Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey. We'll be back at it on Tuesday. Michael Bork, will be back in, and we will see you then.